Well, good morning. I bring you the best of news. Christ our Lord is risen today. I'm Clay Smith, the lead pastor at Alice Drive Baptist Church. I'm so glad you're joining us for this historic, unique celebration of Easter. It's really the first time we've had to celebrate Easter virtually around the world. But our God is present in every home, and he is present with every soul. So before I begin the message today, would you join me? Let's give thanks for the resurrected Lord and ask God to comfort those who carry heavy burdens. Father, I am thankful that today we are the Easter people. We are people of hope because of Jesus' resurrection. Remind us to live in that resurrection hope. I pray, God, for our leaders. Give them wisdom as they make decisions. I pray for those who are suffering that you would heal them and let them know that their healing comes from you. And I pray, Father, for those who grieve, comfort them, reassure them of your concern and care. Now bless us in this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, these days we all are worried about our bodies. Uh, The uh, COVID-19 virus has really changed much of the way we do life. Uh, Who knew that a face mask would become the fashion accessory around the world. A lot of us have tried to find gloves. I found these at a farm supply store, and I went to Walmart wearing these gloves. I wasn't sure if I was being safe or if I looked like a mass murderer. You know, I I think what we're experiencing is what people who have cancer or asthma, people who have aches and pains, fibromyalgia, neuropathy, they experience this all the time. There's something going on in the body that they can't control. And now we all feel that and fear that, that a microscopic particle will come into our body and change our lives. And so we're having a lot of focus on our bodies. Now, I know some of you focus on your bodies often. You think about your health. You you try to watch what you eat. You exercise. But in general, uh, our bodies are designed to function without us thinking about it. I'm really not thinking about my hand gestures right now. They just seem spontaneous. I'm not thinking about breathing while I talk to you. It's just part of the way I am wired and you're wired that these things are natural to us. But the truth is a lot of us are uncomfortable with our bodies. We feel shame. A recent study showed that the people who are models, um, the, the people you see in magazines and on television, that body type really only represents about 2% of the population. 98% of the rest of the population has a different body type. So when we compare ourselves to people in the media or people in a magazine, we can feel shame. 70% of women in America between the ages of 18 and 30 dislike their bodies, 70%. Now, men often feel shame about their bodies, but because we're men, we uh, tend to make a joke about it. We joke about losing our hair or getting a, a thick waistline. But men particularly have fears about performance, and because we're competitive, we want to know, hey, can I keep up with this guy? Uh, when I've gone to the gym and I've sat down on one of the machines, I always check to see what the guy ahead of me who just worked out, how much he lifted. And if he lifted a lot more than I can lift, I feel some shame. And if he limp, lifted a lot less than I can lift, I think, well, I've still got it. I'm still pretty strong. 
So maybe we think about our bodies more than we think. We're just not aware of how we think. I know that's a little strange to say. But we need to remember our bodies are part of our souls. You are a soul. You don't have a soul. A soul is who you are. So you have a heart, a will, where you make decisions. You have a mind where you have thoughts and feelings. You have relationships. And then you have a body. Your body is your energy pack. It's the way you get things done. It's also the place where your desires and your appetites live. And just like any other part of your soul, if you neglect your body, it impacts all the other parts. Or if you obsess about your soul, it impacts all the other parts of your soul. Or if you obsess about your body, it impacts all the other parts of your soul. And that's why our bodies can become symptomatic. We may feel anxiety and it becomes a physical feeling. Our chest gets tight. We get a knot in our stomach. We want to do something. Depression may exist as a feeling, but it also becomes symptomatic in our body. We're tired more often. We want to sleep more. Every emotion you have has an impact on your body. And that's why I'm so glad that today we're celebrating Easter because Easter is the day we remember a core basic truth. If you don't get anything else I say today, I want you to get this. You might want to write it down. This is the big idea of the day. Easter reminds us that our bodies are not our souls. Our bodies are not our lives. It's a part of us. But what's going on with our body does not define us. There's a very helpful passage in the book of Romans, chapter 8, one of the great chapters of the Bible, where Paul talks about how Easter impacts our bodies. So I hope you have a Bible, and I hope you'll turn to the book of Romans, chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 9, and we're going to follow Paul's argument in three sections. In the first section, he's going to introduce us to two realms. Listen and see if you can identify them. Starting in verse 9, you, however, were not in the, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal body because of his Spirit who lives in you. Did you catch the two realms? The first is the realm of the flesh. Now, Paul was writing to Christians in the city of Rome, and Rome being the capital was the focus of beauty and strength. And so particularly in Rome, if you were a beautiful person, you were prized, you were honored. If you were a strong person, if you had won battles, if you had fought in the Colosseum, you were prized for your strength. Aren't you glad our world doesn't work that way anymore? Well, the truth is it does, and you and I both know it. We unconsciously compare ourselves to other people and to their beauty or lack thereof. 
to people's strength or their lack thereof, we still are playing the same comparison game that was played in Rome all those years ago. You see, when you live in this realm of the flesh, your body becomes the defining factor of your life. So you obsess about health. Or maybe you ignore your body, you're subject to an addiction of food, drugs, alcohol. People can even be addicted to exercise or to sex. All that comes out of and flows out of your body. With this beauty obsession, this strength obsession impacts us all. And when things begin to hurt that didn't used to hurt, it makes us afraid. Not too long ago, I overheard someone describing me, and they said, our pastor is a beloved older man. Now, guess which word I focused on? It wasn't beloved. It was older. And I wanted to protest. I'm not old. Any, I'm not old. I, I, I'm, I'm still 18 inside. And I know every one of you watching me or looking at me thinking, yeah, you still look 18, Clay. And I appreciate that. <laughs> this physical realm, this realm of the flesh, means you're always thinking about your body or you're abusing your body. Paul says there's another realm, the realm of the spirit, the realm of God, the realm of Jesus. And in this realm, the values are different. Now, Paul's going to spend the rest of his time talking about that. But before he gets there, he wants to pause and make sure that every one of us actually are in the spirit. And so he says, if indeed you are in the spirit of God. Now, I don't want to scare anybody, but we don't need to take for granted that we are living in the spirit of Jesus. That is an intentional decision that every person must make. Fortunately, there is a very simple test. What you need to do is ask yourself and be 100% honest this is a gut check time. Ask yourself, do I regularly surrender control to the Spirit in my life? Do I regularly surrender control to the Spirit in my life? And if the answer that you're giving is, well, I don't think so, then chances are you may know a lot about God and Jesus and maybe even church, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. That's missing in your life. Now, Paul goes on and he says that if you are in Christ, even though your body is mortal, in other words, even though your body is going to die, there is still something else at work in your body. Now, why is your body going to die? Because we were all born into a sinful world and we all were infected with sin. And our bodies eventually are going to succumb to that sinful infection. But remember, our bodies do not define our souls. They do not define our lives. And so Paul is telling us that there's a greater power, the power of the resurrection of Jesus that now lives in our bodies. 
In verse 11, Paul makes it so clear. The power of the resurrection of Jesus now lives in the body of everyone who follows Jesus. What does that mean? It means that God is at work in your body. If you get sick, God can heal you. He doesn't always, but he can. It means that if you are subject to an addiction, there's a power in you that is greater than your addiction. It means that if your body hurts, you can still live with hope because there is something better for you on the other side of death. It means that God's love for you is not dependent on your beauty, on your strength, on what others think about your body. God's love is there because of your soul, not because of your body. It means death does not get the last word. That's what it means to have resurrection power in your body. Now again, this power is only available to you if you want it. If you intentionally invite Jesus into your life, And my hunch is some of you watching this morning may never have invited Jesus into your life. And so today, before we go any further, I want to give you that opportunity. You can pause right now and pray a prayer along these lines. Prayer goes like this, Father, I know I have sinned. You might even want to take a moment and confess some of the ones that really weigh down on your soul. Then you say, Lord, would you please forgive me of these sins? You might even need to pray, Lord, break the power of these sinful patterns in my life, in my body. And then you can say, Lord, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Please come into my life and guide me. You will be in charge. And when you pray that prayer sincerely, Jesus comes into your life and everything changes. Now, Paul, having laid out this background, begins to transition. He begins to tell us what happens next. If we truly have made Jesus the Lord of our lives and if we're living in the Spirit, he says in verse 12, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. What's Paul saying? He's saying if you decide to follow Jesus, you have an obligation, a debt you owe to Jesus. Now, the debt you owe to Jesus is a debt of gratitude. It's not a debt you pay off by being a good person. Instead, it is a debt, an obligation to follow Jesus now that you have a relationship with him. Now, what's really sad is when people who have decided to follow Jesus, instead of following him, decide they'll keep paying a debt to something or someone else, and they will not put a debt toward Jesus. What do I mean? Imagine you've got a car and you've got a payment on that car. And so you you sell that car to someone else and then you pay the bank off and then you keep sending the bank your monthly payment. What would you call that? Crazy. That's what you would call it. 
And yet I see in my own life, and sometimes I see in your lives, that same pattern. There's a power in us that is greater than anything else, and yet we keep paying a payment, a debt that Jesus paid on the cross. When he died on the cross, it was his righteousness, not ours, that paid our sin debt. And now his resurrection gives us the power to live differently. And when the spirit begins to work in your body, the spirit wants to kill that that wants to kill you. The spirit wants to kill the sinful patterns in your body. Now, this does require some wisdom. It is not that your appetites and desires are all bad. It's a good thing to get hungry and then to eat something. It's a good thing to to know you're thirsty and get something to drink. It's good to desire shelter and clothing. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not a wrong thing to desire to exercise or to be healthy. What is wrong is when any desire of your body becomes an obsession of your mind. When you have an obsession of the body, it's a symptom that another part of your soul is crying out that it's starving. And I've seen this and so have you. People who can't seem to stop taking drugs, stop drinking. They have an obsession of the body and it really is another part of their soul that's starving. That's why in every 12-step movement, one of the first things you do is admit that you're powerless over your addiction and that there's a power greater than yourself that can restore you to sanity. I have a friend who, like me, shares an obsession with food. He's farther along in his journey than I am. And he tells me that he realizes that there's a whole industry that doesn't care about his health. It does not care about his body. In fact, that industry only cares about his wallet, his cash. And so he tells me that every time he rides by a McDonald's, he looks at it and thinks, that clown is trying to kill me. Maybe for you, it's when you ride by the liquor store and you realize, those bottles are trying to kill me. Maybe, maybe it's when you click on that website, you realize, this site really is trying to kill my soul. What does the Spirit need to kill in you so that you can have a healthy soul? Paul wants to lay out now for us what this looks like, this realm of the Spirit, what it is to do life there. He's going to teach us that it really is about a relationship. It's not about rules. It's about having a relationship with Jesus and what that means. And so Paul, in verse 14, says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received through, I'm sorry, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, 
in order that we might also share in his glory. Now, to really understand what Paul is saying here, we have to understand the background of Roman adoption. In the Roman world, children were not adopted. Rather, the Roman nobility would often adopt an adult as a worthy heir. Even if they had children who were their legitimate children, if they didn't feel like their children would measure up or would, would take care of their estate, they would adopt someone, sometimes someone in their family, like a nephew or a cousin, sometimes someone who would serve them in battle, occasionally even a slave of the household, they would adopt them as a son. And when that was legally executed, that son adopted could now be an heir to a new father. The son's old identity was wiped out. His old parents no longer were considered his parents legally. All his old debts were canceled. He had a new father, a new relationship, and a new future. The most famous example of this was actually taking place when Paul wrote this letter. Emperor Claudius adopted his great nephew, Nero, so that Nero would inherit the throne of Rome. And that's exactly what happened. So what does it mean for us to be adopted, to have a new relationship with our heavenly father, to live in this spiritual realm? Paul tells us, in the realm of the spirit, you are a child of God. What does it mean to be a child of God? <laughs> well, I treat my friends differently than I treat my children. You see, if, if you're my friend, I will give to you. You can borrow things from me. I'll come help you. But I will sacrifice for my children. And our Heavenly Father says to everyone who accepts Jesus, I'm offering you the gift of my son, the best, most holy, perfect sacrifice ever. And accompanying that is the power of his resurrection. To be adopted as a child of your Heavenly Father means you now have his spiritual power, you have a new identity. And what it means in the realm of the spirit is you're no longer a slave to fear. That's specifically what Paul says. You don't have to live as a slave, always afraid that you're going to make the master angry, always afraid that the master might sell you. There is nothing you can do that will sever your adoption by your heavenly father. Now, some of you had really good fathers. Some of you didn't. Some of you don't. Some of us didn't have a father at all. But when we know that we have a new relationship with God through our Heavenly Father, through Jesus, it means we can go to him with all our troubles, all our cares. It means that he listens to us. He wants and works for good in our lives. One of the things that troubles me is often I hear Christians who are still slaves to fear, sometimes even fear of death. And because they're still afraid of dying, they don't really take time to live. Paul wrote in another one of his letters, the book of Philippians, 
that for him to die would be gain. In other words, he would have a better life if he died, but, but to live was Christ. And what it means when you're adopted as a child of God is no matter what happens, even if you get infected with the COVID virus, even if you die, you still are a child of your heavenly father. And that can give you peace when you're threatened with death. In the realm of the spirit, you have a new father. Live in that relationship. In the realm of the Spirit, you are an heir. An heir receives an inheritance. And so what do you do when you receive your inheritance? Well, you receive not riches on earth, but you receive heavenly wealth. I was talking with a friend of mine not too long ago, and he was telling me about a near-death experience that he had. And I'm always a little skeptical of near-death experiences because they're always near death. They're not death. But what this man described was so very much like what the Bible describes that I think it was genuine. He said that in the moments he was medically dead, without pulse, without breath, he felt himself transported to heaven, and when he arrived, he, he felt an overwhelming sense of being loved. He said it was a hundred times more powerful than any love I'd ever felt on earth. Now to me, that sounds like what heaven will be like. And every blessing I receive here on earth is an advance on that heavenly inheritance that waits for me. In the realm of the Spirit, you are going to share sufferings and glory. Now this is where we're a little troubled. Most of us want to receive the inheritance of glory, the blessing of glory, but not suffering. What does that mean? What Paul is talking about here is really a very simple concept. In the realm of the Spirit, you will receive suffering and you will receive glory because you are following Jesus. That means you are going to follow Jesus wherever he leads you. If it is difficult, if it's tough, you're going to stick with Jesus. If you're going through a rocky patch, even if you have doubts, you're going to stick with Jesus. No matter what is happening in your life, you are going to stay with Jesus because that's the direction you've pointed your life in. Helen Rosevier was a missionary, medical missionary in Zaire. She was a British woman, a physician. And because of the unrest that was occurring in the country at that time, she was often... Uh, accused and abused by different factions, different sets of soldiers. One time she was arrested and she was told that she was going to be executed. And you can certainly understand as she waited under guard in a cell, being told she was going to be shot, she wondered if God had forsaken her. 
And Helen Rosevier said that it felt like in that moment the Holy Spirit came to her and spoke to her and said, 20 years ago, you asked me for the privilege of being identified with me. Well, this is it. Don't you still want it? This is what it means. These are not your sufferings. These are my sufferings. All I ask of you is the loan of your body. Now, miraculously, Helen Rosevier was spared execution at that time. And as she looked back on that experience, she tried to understand what had happened. And this is what she said. God did not stop the sufferings. He did not stop the wickedness, the cruelties, the humiliations, or anything else. It was all still there. The pain was just as bad. The fear was just as bad. But it was altogether different because now it was in Jesus. It was for him and it was with him. That's what it means to suffer and to share also the glory. You see, satisfying your body is no longer the goal. Satisfying Jesus is the goal. So what do we do with all this? It's very simple, really, I think. And I want to offer you a simple prayer for you to pray this Easter and maybe every day this week and maybe every day for the rest of your life. The prayer goes like this. Heavenly Father, my body belongs to you. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer that asks God to let his resurrection power be the guiding power in your body. Heavenly Father, my body belongs to you. It means my sexual drive belongs to you. My health belongs to you. My appetites, my addictions. Lord, I'm offering it all to you. I'm giving it to you. And God, I want your resurrection power to start flowing. I need you to kill off some things. I need you to bring some healing. I need you, God, to be at work in my body because, Heavenly Father, my body belongs to you. Imagine what your life could be if you prayed that and meant it every day. It would mean every day for you would be Easter. Would you pray with me? Now, Father, I don't know how this has impacted the people who are watching and listening, but you do. And by the power of your spirit, would you guide each person to know what they must do? God, we do offer our bodies to you. I pray that you would kill the addictions, that you would heal the sickness that you would not let anxiety or depression control us. But I pray we would live as Easter people, knowing the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now before I finish, I do want to just invite you to think about what God is asking you to do. And, and if God has moved in you today, would you just drop me an email. My email is claysmith at adbc.org.
I'd like to pray with you. If you have invited Jesus into your life, there is some material I want to share with you. But please, let me know how God has spoken to you today. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this service from Alice Drive Baptist Church. Alice Drive is one church with two locations. We have a location at the corner of Wise Drive and Loring Mill Road in Sumter. That location has services at 8.30 on Sunday morning, which is a traditional service. Two contemporary services, one at 9.45 and one at 11. And then a service on Monday night for people who can't make it on Sunday. And that service is at 7 o'clock. We also have a location called Pocala Church. It meets in Pocala Springs Elementary School on Bethel Church Road in Sumter. That location has two services at 945 and 11. I hope we will see you in person very soon. I'm Clay Smith, the lead pastor at Alice Drive Baptist Church in Sumter. Check us out at alicedrive.org. God bless you. Hope to see you soon.